evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to OCA's Asia Town Voice, an hour-long nonprofit program on WJCU's 88.7 FM radio. We're on every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. This hour-long program provides you with an inside look at the Asian American and Pacific Islander Americans community, culture, education, and events going on in Northeast Ohio. OCA's Asia Town Voice is volunteer-based, and we hope that you, the listener, will enjoy our program and give your support to WJCU. This way, we can continue to provide many voices with many choices to you. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Yin Tang, also known as DJ Bossy Lady. Bossy Bossy. And that was the ghost host, Johnny. And for those of you just tuning in, he got his name because sometimes, you know, He'll just hop on air, say hello, then disappear, and we'll try to talk to him. And we realize there's nobody at his microphone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not that Freak. he's being negligent, but he does let us use his studio, which means that he does have other duties he needs to attend to. So it's it's kind of like an ongoing joke now. We're like, Johnny's turned into a ghost. And uh, funny enough, if you were listening to one of our Halloween episodes, Johnny can actually see ghosts sometimes. Well, sometimes, not always. Yes. In fact, I, I almost going to join a paranormal group from um, Dayton, Ohio, but then um, heard about them. Uh, I've been told everybody told me not to do it. So <laughs> why? Because they're afraid I could bring a ghost back. Oh, but you don't live with any of them. No, uh, I, I mean like the people that do live with you, like downstairs and everything. No, no, they they are not here, but they don't want to bring it back to the studio. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough about ghosts and whatnot. We'll save that for Halloween. We want to introduce today's special guest, Mr. John Cosma. Sifu John Cosma. Hello. Uh, yes, Sifu John Cosma. Hello, how are you? I'm well. How are you guys doing? Awesome, awesome. I'm going to give a brief bio. So you've been really active in the Asian community. Um, you do martial arts, and from what I know, you at least do Tai Chi, right? Yes, ma'am. You're also part of the Dragon Dance team. You're also uh, a stunt um, actor and actor actor and Johnny Wu's um, Doctor Who fan film series. And you do martial arts on that show. And you're also volunteering at the Cleveland Asian Festival every year since it first started, right? Uh, a I very long first, time. <laughs> I missed the first year um, because I just found out about it too late. But every year after that, I've tried to make up for it. Nice. That's so awesome. And perhaps next year you'll be a committee member and you'll be there assisting with the martial artists. Uh, as, as long as everyone can stay healthy and um, that includes myself, then yes. Yes, that would be so amazing. So without further ado, um, let's talk about your martial arts first. Uh, okay. What type of martial arts do you do and how long have you been doing it and how did you get started doing it? So we'll start with the first question. Um, besides Tai Chi, what other forms of Chinese martial arts do you do? Uh, I stick mostly with the internals like the Taiji. Uh, I also do Sun Style Xing Yi Chuan, Cheng, and Sun Style uh, Ba Gua Zhang. Uh, oh, and so the Xing the Yi is very kind of linear, looks explosive. The Ba Gua is, is like a swimming kind of dragon, and it's usually on a circle. So if you've ever seen the Jet Li movie, uh, The One, Bad mm -hmm. Guy Jet Li is doing Xing Yi. A uh, good guy gently does Bagua. That is so cool. That's a really good example. I never really noticed that before. That makes I sense, though. Totally you know what was noticed. really weird about that movie? The whole movie was great, but you know the final fight scene with Jet Li versus Jet Li at the end. Yeah, yeah. The bad Jet Li. He he gets into a split and stands up really slowly. And I mean, it's a really cool move, but they kind of drag the moment out, and it was really awkward. I'm like, what are we supposed to be expecting here? Was I the only one who noticed that? Probably. No, I, I got. I, I usually get some sort of like weird sympathy pains with some things, and and as soon as I saw that, my hip started burning for some reason. I'm like, that. Oh. Just, how is that? <laughs> like, it's cool. Like, I, I agree, it's cool. But how is that? Like, useful? I guess. Why? It's called I, movie magic. They're not going like, to be yeah. useful. But you <laughs> know, they dragged it out. I think it could have been like I don't know, five seconds shorter than what it was. They just like drew it out. I'm like, okay, something really cool is supposed to happen, but nothing did. <laughs> yeah, they they probably would fill out the time slot, so you know, yeah. make sure it's oh. one in thirty minutes. Though you got to really fill cool. out, you got to fill out that the the screen of it too. Make sure all the uh, it's all framed right and everything. Exactly, so got to have that <laughs> moment, and you got to have that moment of <sighs> kind of going on too. Well, I was kind of like, okay, he's a gymnast yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. 
But, um, but okay, so talking about Bagua, I have to confess, um, I learned most of my martial arts from Mortal Kombat. So, okay. <laughs> and, um, right, fair enough. Yeah, but Bagua, I know it's based off of the 64 um, hexagrams of the I Ching, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, there's... Technically, technically speaking, if you go back far enough to like Sansen Fong on Wudong Mountain and everything, all the internals um, have that as a base. Uh, but Bagua kind of uh, especially really uses that as a, as a, as a foundation. The idea of, of uh, being able to change, uh, being able to, to use different layers in and out and side to side. It's, it's a, probably one of the most sort of uh, dynamic sort of arts that I know of. And, and some people just kind of like, oh, just, just walk around in a circle and kind of wave your arms. And to yes. me, yeah. it's like, yeah, it's like when I judge tournaments, especially, like I get people who are like, oh, God, it's this guy. Um, <laughs> it's a good reputation to have yeah I, I i like it it's like when i go to work uh, and everything I'm like oh god cosmo's gonna talk i'm like yes i'm doing my job <laughs> uh but I, i'm i'm very very particular on everything but especially when it gets to bagua if there's the stepping isn't a very kind of specific certain way i'm just kind of get that no no good mark down that's it wow you're being very, very picky. <laughs> yes. that, that is possibly the most, the nicest way anyone's ever said that about my judging style before. Well, no, that's a really good thing. Because, I mean, how do people improve if they don't know where they suck, you know? Putting it in a less that. nice way. Well, yeah. at, the tor- at the tournament, usually the, the student wouldn't have a chance to learn whether or not they, they're good or not. But, you know, you have professionals across the country telling you, critiquing you, like telling you where you are not doing it, like, well. So. Yeah, most of the time the competitors, they just cry. <laughs> Walks oh, <away>. really? <laughs> yeah, Hopefully and they get upset it, yeah. with the, te- the, the judges for, for grading them low. And they would never show up to ask the judges or the teachers, okay, what did I do wrong here? No, they just walk away I- angry. Really? Yeah, it, it used to be, and I always used to do this because I never really liked competing. I liked the training up to it because it was very intense and you got like, really, this is what you need to do. This is how it's got to go. This is how it's got to look. And, and I like that intensity of the training, but I hate like testing and competing was always kind of like testing to me. Right. Um, but I, I would always do that. I would always go, hey, you know, I saw I got this or, or that or anything. Is there anything I need to be working on? Is there anything, you know, that you would tweak or any, basically I was calling for notes for all intents and purposes. And when I judge, I keep notes on every person, on every event mm-hmm. in the, the, in case someone comes up to me and asks the same thing. I think I, I've had maybe one, maybe two people in yep. the last maybe seven years yep. ever ask me for any sort of feedback. That's kind of disappointing. Yeah, it it is. Yeah, and there's I mean, a lot of a lot of politics involved too. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, oh yeah. I'm just thinking from a dancer standpoint. You know, most of us are masochists because we always strive to perfect <laughs> towards an unreachable goal. Because you're yeah. never going to be perfect. <laughs> you right. have to. It's like that diminishing returns, or it's that black hole in the distance that you're trying to reach it and you know you're never gonna get it but you're still trying it's like the dangling carrot so maybe i got maybe i got that from my my uh my acting experience from being on stage and stuff you know i always got well that was good and people applauded i sucked i said this one thing kind of merit my my whole life just is ruined well i mean after a while you kind of know like the people that you know, the critique that's worth listening to versus the critique that's not yeah. worth listening to. Cause you, def- I- <laughs> yeah, you definitely learn how to discern. And I apologize for rhyming, by the way, um, <laughs> kind of where, where to kind of take that feedback from. It's almost like, you know, you get, you know, a million YouTube subscribers, how many of them are going to start leaving crummy stuff on your uh, timeline there versus how many people are being validating. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So um, how did you get into Chinese martial arts and where did you study? Um, I kind of got into, I mean, just, just like practically almost everyone else I know. Um, I did karate when I was a little kid. 
I know I was always kind of interested in, in the different Asian cultures and in martial arts and um, actually had my grandma kind of got me into it because she was interested in, in different Asian cultures and, and uh, some of the art and, and things like that. Uh, and then as I got older and, and hesitate to use the word more discerning, uh, but mm-hmm. kind of got more discerning, I felt uh, as I was, you know, kind of self-studying different things on my own, I felt just kind of more drawn to um, specifically more like Chinese culture and uh, the Chinese martial arts. I, I like the way they look. It's just something that's sort of, you know, when, when you see someone or you see something you like and it's just sort of that, that little click goes on in your head and you're like, no, that, yeah. that's the thing there. That's what you want to do. Um, yes. So I kind of got that. And um, as I got older and again, more kind of started learning more and everything, I kind of got turned on to the idea of Tai Chi specifically and just kind of, you know, I read a little bit about it and I tried to do some research and this is, this isn't a long, long time ago before things like the internet. Um, (laughs) So, so I had to do the the old fashioned thing of going to a bookstore Um, which I eventually started working at for a long time, but, uh, and, and read about it. And I realized I'm like, you know, I'm reading about this and I, I just kind of don't get it. Um, so eventually I found out, I went to Lorraine community college for my associates, my first two years of college. And there was a Tai Chi class there by, um, man named Rick Mayer, now master. Oh, yeah. And he was running a class, you know, just a 16 week class. And it was, uh, he, at the time it was teaching the, uh, 24, uh, simplified routine in the, in the fifties, the, the government sort of got a, a bunch of Taiji masters together and, um, said, okay, well, we, we want a compulsory form that we can use. That's kind of simple. And it's basically put it out there on mass for like health. Mm-hmm. and fitness sort of thing and and he was he was teaching that and i think basically it took maybe a class maybe it took maybe maybe one class for me to know this is where i need to be what i need to be doing and it was maybe the second class or something like that i'm like i i want to be your student and hmm. then that was about 17 years ago wow so yeah i did uh i also have some some uh external kung fu base Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, some rank and black belty stuff with that. But the main, main, main focus has been with the, the Neijiao, the internals, the Taiji, the Xingyi, the Bagua, some Qigong. So for the people who don't understand it, could you explain to us the difference between internal martial arts versus external martial arts? Absolutely. External martial arts, um, you, you know, you talk about things like uh, karate, taekwondo, um, you know, Shaolin Kung Fu, things like that. You use sort of uh, strength and speed. You use your external muscles. You know, the the stances might be kind of longer or wider. You know, it's it's really dynamic. You're, you know, hard and fast uh, muscle. Try and get, uh, you know, that uh, that force behind the head or behind the movement. Um something with that the internal ones and even some externals kind of should the longer you progress you should be getting more internal with it this is more dealing with keeping the body as one whole unit so if for example like a punch comes in me i just don't throw out my just my arm block it if one thing of my body moves everything moves as well uh so there's a a a a unified coordination of the movements as well as a coordination with the breath and keeping the body relaxed but not to the point where you're just sort of like slumped over like there's some skin hanging on bones you want to stay like empty of tension but you still have uh, what would be considered like energy you'd still be able to express what you're trying to do with called jing you have the chi so you still have the energy moving through so it's you know, if you see someone playing Taiji in the park and just sort of like looks kind of like a, a succession of wet noodles walking around, this isn't correct yeah. either. So <laughs> internals involves a, a, a very unified coordination of, of the mind or the E, the intent of the energy of the Shen, the spirit, 
and and keeping the body in a a structured unified fashion and that's and i'm i'm really kind of a a big honk on the on the structure part of it because that is the main basis of everything if if the alignments of like your knee and your foot aren't correct then everything else in the body can't relax in the way it needs to to be able to move everything in a coordinated fashion for example and i and and you know i i know in a lot of ways firsthand how important it is i, I had i have some uh, spinal problems actually at the moment and i had like half of my leg for months was numb oh I, I was still actually able to play uh the taiji the shingi the bagua in an effective manner because I knew my structure from my foot to my knee to my hip and my tailbone tucked, my back, my head, my neck, my shoulders, my arms, everything was lined up in the way it was supposed to be. So that way, you know, even without having the normal feeling that I'm used to, I could mm-hmm. still stay up without further injuring anything because the alignment was correct. So what happened to your leg? Oh, um, heh, uh, many years of, uh, sort of general abuse of one way to another. Um, I hurt, I hurt my uh, tailbone when I was a teenager riding my bike somehow. <laughs> then, you know, almost 20 years of, uh, of martial arts stuff. And I, I also practice uh, and learning what's called Swai Jiao from seafood, John Irvin. Oh, that'd and, be painful. Yes. Yeah. And then, and there's, there's, there's a significant portion of the time where, you know, you're, you're kind of upside down right before you find a an uncomfortable <laughs> crash on the floor. <laughs> uh, so it was just sort of a, a cumulative effect. And then, you know, I, I do with my job, I work in, in adolescent mental health. And sometimes we have to um, kind of go hands on with some of the kids. And then, you know, you're sitting on uh, these hard surfaces, sometimes a blacktop or sometimes basically, you know, concrete with the thin cheap layer of carpet over it and you're basically kneeling or something on this for 20 minutes or to a couple hours sometimes really yeah so it you know or if you're on the legs and you know you're getting bucked around and everything the kid trying to throw you off so sometimes all that just kind of just just starts adding up after a while and then i've reached i've reached this certain age where everything just kind of catches up with you oh man yeah. <laughs> so you told us where you studied Tai Chi. Where did you learn uh, Xin Yi and Bagua? Same source. Oh, same same person. Yeah. Is he still yeah. around in Cleveland? He, uh, Master Rick is actually more out of Avon Lake and and oh, Lorraine okay. County. Mm-hmm. He uh, he learned he first learned internals from Master Will Duncan, who has since moved to I believe North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And Will Duncan learned from a man who uh, is retired from teaching, but is is in that sort of East 40th area, uh, Grandmaster Hue Yu. And then after a few years, Master Rick uh, started training uh, at the, you know, Master Duncan was like, all right, you've got what I've got to give you. Go train Master Hu. So they uh, so- all study um, internal martial arts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, the Tai Chi, the Xing Yi, the Bagua, and it, there's there's a lot of overlap between the three arts too. They they all three, you know, you want the same body structure, you want mm-hmm. the same relaxation. You're still breathing with that lower dantian in your lower abdomen. There's mm-hmm. still mindfulness and intent going on there. It's just slightly different expressions of of a, of a kind of a baseline art. So if I wanted to learn, or any of our listeners, are you teaching um, all these forms? Do you have like a, a regular location, regular time, and regular schedule? Like uh, I, basically, if somebody wanted to learn, how would they go about it? Well, for me personally, a lot of my stuff's on the west side. Mm-hmm. And I don't actually have a school school yet. Uh, so during Thursday evenings and Saturday, sort of late afternoon, early or I'm sorry, late morning, early afternoon. Um, I usually, you know, I might utilize some of our wonderful parks or mm-hmm. if it's more inclement, I have kind of a, uh, I don't want to say a deal because that sounds a little shady, but for all intents and purposes, a deal with uh, both Cadell and Gunning Rec Centers for those times and Thursdays and Saturdays. 
earlier Saturday morning, I have a class actually at the U.S. Swajel Kung Fu Academy with uh, Sifu John Urban. Uh, and mm-hmm. I teach that. That's actually more through his school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still run that class that morning. And until I believe it's August 10th, if people want to come check out Mondays and Wednesdays at 830 to 930 at Asia Plaza, we're doing a summer Tai Chi sort of workshop. Just kind, nice. of, get people kind of exposed, get people uh, kind of out and, and uh, trying to just try and find different stuff to get them out, get them healthy, get interested in, in things. Now, is there a fee for the uh, Asia Plaza Experimental Tai Chi program? Uh, experimental Tai Chi. That I, I, well, okay, let me, for first time, <laughs> people who are experimenting with Tai Chi is what I meant to say. I was like, man, you just gave me, tai chi. You We're gonna have a new blew my mind, man. You blew my mind because now, <laughs> um. now I've got now I've, I've to be creative and think of something with that. Pressure's on. Yes. Yeah. Experimental Tai Chi. Oh, man, that's like all, like, it's like old Genesis with Peter Gabriel only got, like, <laughs> kicking someone in the face. Um, no. uh no the the asia plaza one is free it's sponsored by oca and and project rays and the the whole idea is just kind of getting people out and about and and uh, interested and healthy and and kind of taking part in in other things in the community as well speaking of getting people out and about every time i drive down the road i see people with pokemon go in their hands (laughs) trying to hatch darn eggs running around trying to like catch pokemon it's hilarious It's, it's um, I got my so I'm done with the game for now. So. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. What <laughs> I like I like goals. No, I was just saying it's it's kind of like this uh, double-edged sword because it's designed to get people actually outside of their house and and taking at least some form of exercise and and uh, socializing in some aspect. But then again, you know, you're walking mm. out the traffic <laughs> or something. <laughs> right. Like right. And, you know, they do make a fair attempt to warn people to be aware of their surroundings. But, you know, I think just that one loading screen with a giant Gyarados and I don't know. I feel like a lot of people are going to ignore it. So, Oh, probably. Oh, oh yeah. But, oh, excuse me. Johnny, you might want to cut that out. I didn't hear it. You burped? Oh, you did? Yeah, I burped. <laughs> didn't I hear that at all? I was trying to swallow it and it came up. Um, okay. So you can cut this part out. Yeah. All right, Sufu John Cosmo, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to do upcoming events, and then we'll interview some more. All right, catch you guys in a bit.
And ladies and gentlemen, we are back with OCA's Asia Town Voice, an hour-long nonprofit program on WJCU's 88.7 FM radio. We're here every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m., and this hour-long program provides you with an inside look at the Asian American and Pacific Islander Americans' community, culture, education, and events in Northeast Ohio. OCA's Asia Town Voice is volunteer-based, and we hope that you, the listener, will enjoy our program and give your support to WJCU. This way, we can continue to provide many voices with many choices to you. And my name is Jin Tang, also known as DJ Bossy Lady. Johnny. Boo. <laughs> Normally, um, Johnny Woo, our ghost host, does a little sound effect every time I introduce myself. Uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm reading the, the, the alchemy event part and just realized this is the time this, uh, we are talking on air. This is gone. Oh, <laughs> so, it's like, it's like... so um, speaking of which, it's time to do the upcoming events. Um, I'm going to plug two of them, and I'm going to hand it over to DJ Ghost Host Johnny Wu. Mm. First event I have on my calendar, August 2nd, is the Mayor's Night Out. It's going to take place at the Steel Yard, and a lot of the cultures in Cleveland will be represented there, including Chinese. Um, I will be there with my Yintang Dance Company. We'll be doing a short uh, traditional dance number, and we'll also have some K-pop. Right. I have been sponsoring a local K-pop group, nice. and uh, yeah, I, it's it's really fun. They're really cool, and I learned some K-pop myself. <laughs> and up next, we have Cleveland One World Day coming on August twenty eighth. This event is from eleven in the morning to seven p.m., and it is all throughout the Cleveland Cultural Gardens. And it's very important this year because it is, it is the hundredth annual Cleveland One. I'm sorry, the, celebrating the hundredth anniversary of the Cleveland Cultural Gardens yes. being in Cleveland. There we go. And it's the and, 71st Cleveland And this is the, the world's only unique gardens. Yes. There are no other cultural gardens like it in the world yep. where you have so many different cultures, 29 active gardens, uh, official gardens that are next to each other on this two and a half strip of land in Cleveland. Right. And I'm going to hand it over to Johnny for uh, any additional comments on One World Day and sure. more events. So um, the, the, the past Sunday, um, several world ambassadors were in Cleveland because of the um, RNC convention. And, and many of them took a, a ride to the cultural gardens to check it out, to to witness the marble that we have in Cleveland. And they all have a great time there, which is yeah. kind of impressive. The next weekend is the Cleveland 48 Hours Film Project. So lots of people are going out there and shooting, uh, filming a bunch of films within 48 hours and get it done. Uh, so my team, the J Crew teams, will be out there and filming, and so that'll be lots of fun. Uh, do you know the theme yet, or do you? We don't know yet. We actually the the theme, the the genre will be picked on Friday, and we have Friday night to write the script, Saturday to shoot it, Sunday to edit, and then turn it in Sunday at seven o'clock at night. Nice. So that's a uh, basically nobody can sleep anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, on August eighth to the August fourteenth is the United Latino Film Festival at, in Hudson, Ohio. That is actually part of the, the Indie Gathering International Film Festival. Remember that, Yen, that we were yes, there? Yes, I do. That yep. was fun. Yeah, that was fun. So they, they, this time they have like four days um, four days straight of Latino films. From what, oh. what I was being told, there's a lots and lots of good movies uh, they're going to be showing. So check it out. Um, you can check out the website. Um, I guess. <laughs> Oh yeah, United UnitedLatinoFilm.com. Finally found it. Nice. So that that's about it for now. So back to John. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, just joining in, our special guest this week is John Cosma, and he, um, John, do you officially belong to any school, or do you just kind of work with other schools and just refer to yourself as Sifil Cosmo? Cosma. Um, what I do is I. I put myself under the umbrella of the integrated school of internal studies. Mm -hmm. um, part of that is because, uh, you know, the, the idea of, of Taiji, Xingyi, Bagua, all this stuff actually having kind of like a common source and being able to uh, help each other and, and uh, uh, you know, people have different like vehicles that they can use to help themselves however it is that they want to help. Uh, but I also have a um, was a I'm a Reiki master practitioner. Uh, oh as, yeah. 
as other stuff like that. So eventually when I do get an actual place, we can start putting those things in there as well. I have some, you know, uh, sitting and standing meditation training. So having all these things together, everything working together to try and, and help people become uh, whomever it is that they deem sort of the best of them. Uh, and, um, you know, I don't, I personally uh, don't do acupuncture or things like that, but, you know, maybe we can hook up with someone who can and just really kind of make it a, uh, one kind of a one-stop shop that would uh, be amazing for all that so i i don't want to the last few years in in terms of my own uh, sort of idea of how i want to kind of present myself and what i want to do has been very much been about validation mm-hmm. and being able to not kind of say, well, okay, well, we only do this or we only do that, or this is only that's good. It's like, no, everyone kind of has whatever, wherever they need to go and, and whatever we can put in to try and help that uh, is definitely what I want to do. And especially since I'm kind of in a, a therapeutic profession as well, there's things from that profession that I've been able to translate into the sort of teaching that I do as well. So it's just everything kind of coming together as one trying separation in, in a larger sense is, is kind of the enemy of a lot of things, not just in terms of practicing Taiji, but also in terms of, um, you know, people's kind of mental states and, and different culturalism and stuff like that. So how do we try and, and eliminate some of the separation that we have just as a natural part of our culture? Mm-hmm. So as a part of your internal studies, do you read and study the I Ching at all? It's something I want to get into more. I've kind of, I've kind of gone into it in, in fits and spurts. And, um, you know, there've been times when, you know, I've sat down, I have some like yarrow sticks and then I, I, I need to revamp what I'm doing on in terms of the coins and everything like that. Let me recommend a really good book for you. Like I am a passive student. I'm self-taught. I've studied with a few people here and there before in the past. Um, but by far my favorite reference book is written by master Alfred Huang and he lives in Hawaii, I think Maui. And I read his introduction. I've had the book for years and I've, I've used it as a reference and it's a really great reference. But then I read his introduction about his personal journey and his understanding of the I Ching and it just made me love the book all the more better. And he explains the coin casting too, which to hmm. my disappointment, I realized I've been doing it wrong <laughs> <laughs> because uh, they don't tell, they don't say heads or tails. They say written or they say something really off, um, written and unwritten side. And obviously everybody assumes the written side is like heads. So I've been doing it backwards this whole time. But fortunately, I don't normally use the coins. I usually use Yarrow sticks, so it didn't affect me that much. What I, what <laughs> I understand about like divination stuff, and you know, if we start getting into the idea of, of you know, kind of a universal consciousness, mm-hmm. you know, if if that was your understanding, it's mm-hmm. going to still speak to you in terms of the ways that you would still be able to understand it. So I certainly hope so. And I actually, think what. So. Ma- what uh, Alfred, Master Alfred Huang was saying, it actually made a lot more sense. He's like, some people use dice to find the changing lines. And, uh, oh, what was really important was that, he, you know, sometimes you do a casting of multiple changing lines, but you really only need to read one, and then there's rules on which ones to not read based on how many lines you have. And that was new yeah. to me. So. <laughs> that's, that's one of the reasons I kind of go fits and starts, because I, I, sometimes I get overwhelmed, and when I get overwhelmed, I kind of spurge out. I kind of just get a little insular. And so I'm just going to go over here. (laughs) Well, I still classify myself as a beginner, but um, I have sat down with a few friends and explained it to them. Like, well, you're a little bit beyond a beginner. I'm like, um, I I don't really think that the process of doing the divination is the most important with the I Ching. I think the understanding of the hexagrams, which, you know, correlates a lot with a lot of the internal martial arts as well, is more important. It's the thought process and how to go through meditating and understanding it. And I feel like I'm not very well versed at that. Like, I mean, yeah, I could teach you how to do divination, but I don't think that's the important part of really understanding how, you know, like a certain hexagram, the result or the changing really applies to you. So, but that's just, that's just my view. So, No, I agree because in so many things, it's really about the interpretation. 
mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's how, you know, people talk about, you know, like we talk about DJing or dreams or even idea or anything like that. It's, it's really about, you know, how, how many layers, how kind of deep people are willing to put that sort of critical thinking skill that, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's abstract too. Yeah. It's it, it really critical thinking is kind of in, in a, in a detriment in a, in a lot of ways. And it's unfortunate. Um, so being able to, yeah, really in, interpret things and being able to sit down and think about it I was like, all right, well, if it's telling me, you know, abundance or something like that, and this is the explanation from these guys and everything, what does that really mean? Where does that right. apply? Where, People where... will be like, wait, am I supposed to win the lottery? I'm like, it doesn't always work that way. <laughs> so... yeah. You know, it's like death card and tarot. Well, death card doesn't mean you're going to die. That means change you know you're going mm-hmm. to have change but things aren't going to be the same it doesn't necessarily have to be that surface level. right but you know with movies and hollywood it's it's easy uh, to make it seem ominous you know <laughs> oh yeah yeah, yeah. I and mean, they, they and have think, to put some sort of trope up there to start getting you all <gasps> right you think it's like a curse or something um yeah. but i like to think that most of these divinations um and you know they're they're used for guidance into solving yeah. a problem or a question that you have um, yeah. but enough about that. Let's talk more about you. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's why we have you here. Uh, so which did you start learning first, she or Bagua? Because I mean, from my understanding, based on the little, I know from conversations with other people, mostly Mortal Kombat. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, the, they teach you a lot. They tell you about the martial arts in Mortal Kombat. Like they have little blurbs. I don't remember the game too well, but I do remember reading about it throughout the game. Um, you know that people can't shoot like spears out of their hands, right? Yes, yes, I do know yeah. that. Good, 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 good. It's like get over have... here, right? <laughs> He's one of my favorite characters. Scorpion is the play, so I uh, kind of lost my train of thought. Oh yes, yes, yes. So I, <laughs> I um, read somewhere that she came before Bagua, and people learned it because uh, in the West people choose to learn that first because it's more physical and it's easier to grasp, whereas Bagua is more about health and slowing things down and just an understanding of harmony. Is that true? Or is that just a, a gimmick to sell the game? No, it, it, that makes sense. And that's usually what I'll do too. Um, mm-hmm. I did in, in terms of between Xingyi or Bagua, I did start learning Xingyi first. I kind of, I, I was kind of taught a little bit of everything kind of at once. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, I started with the, the Taiji and then it was, it was Xingyi first. Xingyi, uh, they, they, all of them are kind of deceptive because Xing Yi, it looks very linear and it's, you know, based on, you have some sort of integrating forms that are a little bit longer sort of routines that people think of routines, but it's really based on just simply um, five fist kind of things, which is just basically almost like one posture in any other sort of thing. And 12, some of them 10, but we have 12 uh, animal shapes. Xing mm-hmm. Yi actually means, you know, form mind boxing. So the idea is the intent is very specific. If you have, okay, if we think about now uh, Pi Chuan, which is splitting, which is the metal element, which helps the lungs. Mm-hmm. And, okay, well, if we think of metal, we think of, okay, we have like the, the direct linear punch coming up. So that's almost like, you know, you can think of an arrow and it has like a chopping aspect to it. You think like an axe. So the, mm-hmm. the intent is very important with it, but it looks more simple. And you can kind of get a, a grasp of things and a base of things, which, okay, just play the five elements, the 12 animals, we'll work on the, the, the longer routines later and things like that. And then mm-hmm. that, that, I think, helps get a, a grounding kind of basis for now if we start talking about... Bagua is almost kind of a master class in and of itself. Uh. And you kind of have to have, uh, you know, sort of a basis and at least Taiji or Shingi or, or both would be helpful too in order to kind of start going, oh, okay, yeah, okay, with Bagua. Yeah, you were doing a really brief uh, cosplay thing for Natsu at the Cleveland Asian Festival. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I noticed you walking um, or maybe it was in one of the, the films or the, the short episodes that Johnny was filming, but you were walking in like a yin yang kind of shape. I'm like, Oh, that's so cool. I know what that is. We do that in Chinese dance too. Um, it's a, they call it Tai Bu where you have, walk with your heel first. And then when you do the curves, um, you're supposed to be like going back and forth, like in a figure eight on the stage, but 
but okay. yeah, but I realized you weren't dancing. <laughs> That's the important thing. I realized you were actually doing martial arts. Yeah, if um, I look, if I looked at all competent, I was not dancing. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, but it's really cool though because um, I know that Chinese dance definitely came from martial arts. Um, mm-hmm. But it wasn't. It was. It's meant to use the same muscles and the same basic understanding of the body. But you know, like that old saying, I can't remember who said it. In times of war. Um, you pick up, you beat your plowshares into swords and you fight in times of peace, you use the skills to dance and, and, and celebrate and you plow and farm the earth again. So it's, yeah. it's about having your body trained, um, but to always use those muscles despite what it's for, you know, whether it's like to celebrate and dance or to, you know, farm the land and stay alive and be happy and merry or in defending your land, you're always in shape. You're going to pick up, you know, a weapon and, you know, defend your yeah. kingdom, ancient kingdom. But, but yeah, actually, as we were talking, I Googled Xi, and I do see the star map, and it's really cool. Um, yeah. So apparently, P is with the metal, and it's also referred to the lungs. Yeah. Now, with these body parts, are, are you supposed to focus on these body parts as you're practicing this move? Or is it – yeah, can you explain that? <laughs> yeah. What, um, and to me, to me, again, it's all kind of about intent, and it's about preservation. You know, even in terms of self-defense, we're talking about, how, you know, preserve yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and with uh, Sun Lutong actually talks about uh, in in one of his in his main sort of Xingyi book, he talks about it as being able to. The translation is play it mildly, uh, and the way I think of that is you know making sure that there's not tension. You're using the whole body, the structure, and and any of the any of these is really really about training the the consciousness, the mind, uh, to be almost that kind of that Chan Zen sort of mind of one thing at a time, you move on to the next thing. So it has that all built in it. And mm-hmm. when it, when he's talking about this helps the lungs, the way the body is, is held, uh, interacts with the meridians in the body in a certain way to enhance the functioning of one of those five organs. Mm-hmm. So when you play Pichuan, in the splitting fist, um, it you you know the the intent is almost one of, of metal. You think of you know kind of an arrow or an axe, and the metal is combined in terms of because you got the, the five elements and the five organs, and metal is with lung. So and then the shape is made in such a way because people back then were were in in a lot of ways were just utterly brilliant. Um, <laughs> In terms of, you know, they spent, you know, 8 to 10, 12, 20 hours a day holding a pot, you know, holding these shapes and, right. and, and doing all these things that we don't do now. We can't do now if we want to have a life right. to an extent. But they had it. So they, they designed it in such a way where if I hold this shape or I make this motion, it's going to work on these meridians, which helps this organ, which means that my intent has to be a certain way in order to help back up the functioning of that meridian of that organ and that intent all kind of put together in one thing. So going back really briefly to what you said about, you know, people in the old days and having, you know, not having to earn a livelihood in the same way as we do now. Um, have you ever seen that movie Iceman with Donnie Yen that came out a couple of years ago and they're working on the sequel should be out later this year? I literally I've... almost just spit my water out when you said that. Yes. Yeah, that's, not, that's not a very good movie. Oh, but that's not why I brought it up. I mean, okay. It, I mean, yeah, there are things that are just absolutely friggin' ridiculous in the movie, but I think that's what makes it great because it's hilarious. It's a comedy. <laughs> I, no. I'm a big fan of Donnie Yen, so that was that was the selling point on me for that. And then as I'm watching, I'm like, oh boy. It's it's kind of outrageous, and it's yeah. great. It's outrageous. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was a huge disappointment. <laughs> yeah, I loved it, but you know, not I. You know, I loved it because it was ridiculous. It, to me, it's like a satire. Uh-huh. But what what I wanted to bring up was they were kind of making fun of people nowadays because um, the whole idea of the story is Donnie Yen's character and then two of his friends. They're um, generals, I think. But anyway, they were like warring people in way back in the dynastic eras, and they get frozen, um, mm-hmm. and they wake up in modern day Hong Kong. And they have borderline superhuman abilities and they're kind of making fun of people and how weak they are nowadays. 
And I think a lot of that is, uh, I wouldn't say it's like true, but I think there's some partial truth in there because it is true that, you know, um, the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Like there are martial arts masters that spend their entire life perfecting a form and they are capable of doing physically impressive things that are, you know, a lot more, I I can't find, I don't know what, you guys know what I'm trying to say, right? Is that they're phenomenal. They they can do feats that seem nearly impossible. Yes, except that you you can point to someone and then they get fall down or can fly more than three feet. And I've been wasting 20 years of my life. What am I doing? Man? I'm sorry, John. That doesn't happen. Walk across water, you know, like yeah. in those really ridiculous ancient Chinese uh, TV shows or uh, those TV shows in China about ancient China where they like they're fighting on water and they're like in air for like 10 seconds and then they like land on water. And I'm thinking, how the heck do they do that? Are they like bouncing off of lily pads that I don't see? Um <laughs> It's like the it's like the telephone game, you know. It's like you all of a sudden you have, because I've seen you know like that that Shaolin Wheel of Wheel of Life tour that went through a few years ago and stuff like that. And you watch some of these guys who yeah they train all day every day for their whole lives, and some of the things like you said they just do is absolutely amazing. And mm-hmm. you know you watch you watch some of the, like the the leaping abilities and lightness skills. One guy doing like this kind of like butterfly kicks with you know you kind of. You, pivot your body and the legs are up, your head's down. And there's a moment where some of them almost look like they're floating. Yes. And now all of a sudden it gets to be, you know, two, three generations of students down the line instead of, man, my teacher could jump so good. It looked like a moment where he just was floating to (laughs) my grandmaster was floating to my great, great grandmaster could fly. Right. Right. Everyone wants to kind of get that. Hey, my school can do this better than yours. Kind of. (laughs) No, I agree. Um, I think a lot of it is just kind of hearsay and just like passed down through generations. But um, if you do take a look at, you know, even just like the B-boys and the B-girls and a lot of the gymnasts nowadays, they, yeah, they do some crazy things. Um, Yeah. And even, you know, despite just being younger, I'm thinking about like this one gymnast I saw on like a video on Facebook, like a couple months back, she was Russian and she did this really crazy move on the double bars. Um, She wrapped her body around it like, flew backwards almost and caught the higher bar i can't i can't really explain any better than that but it was it was pretty phenomenal like she had to be like perfect like it was very cute attention to know exactly where that bar is because she was literally going backwards so yeah anyway um probably not as exciting hearing me explain it but (laughs) what are look um, in my brain what's that it looked good in my brain when i imagined it (laughs) and to anybody who didn't see it on film or live they would think, oh, that's impossible. Nobody could quote unquote fly backwards, but it's just all physics. It's like, it's how fast her body was wrapping around the lower bar. And when she released at the right time, it took her backwards. It's really friggin' cool. Um, But you know, you said there were a lot of benefits to doing internal martial arts. Like what benefits did you find it had for you in particular? Um, Well, I mean, beyond, beyond the fact of, of, you know, any sort of self defense stuff, which would be self-evident in terms of it being um, a martial art. I think some of the some of that actually goes back into you know just maybe a feeling of confidence, not going into something thinking oh, I can just beat everybody up. No, it's like you know <laughs> I don't have to. You know those mm-hmm. who talk don't know; those who know don't talk. Mm-hmm. And um, you know just having that confidence of you know if, if something should happen, you know I can kind of keep myself safe. Um, and you know I have big strong legs now, so I can run the heck out of there something <laughs> should uh running become, is very important yeah 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 yeah. and it helped get rid of in my exercise induced asthma too so it's, it's all the better hmm. so um, you're probably the, doing a lot of the sorry go ahead the, the best thing you do if you go to go into a fight you just don't fight you just pretend exactly. it hurt and you sued and and you make money exactly exactly <laughs> um like soccer players in the world cup <laughs> so. there you go it, 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 because the, in 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 the front in a, uh, in in front of the law, it's when you hurt somebody and they know you have martial you know martial art, you can yep. be liable for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it, you can only do like force. So if someone you know throws a punch at me and I whip them down and then kind of keep going, it doesn't matter if they started it. I become the aggressor. Yeah, right. Um, but I think part of it uh, that helps with martial arts and even that confidence and is is being able to. Hey, I'm in this situation. I can still think. I can still kind of remain calm. 
right. I can still know, you know, what it would take to kind of hurt someone. Because if you train long enough, you're going to get hurt and you're going to hurt somebody else. And then it's kind of mm-hmm. how you recover from that and able to deal with it. Uh, Have you hurt somebody else? On, uh, on accident, on a couple of times, yeah. I mean, it wasn't on purpose or anything like that. But, I mean, it's mm-hmm. going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, felt bad about it. And, and then it was kind of like, all right, well, this is what you need to do so that doesn't happen. Or, you know, it's an accident. You know, you did something and they move forward when they should have moved back or something. Accidents will happen with it. But I think walk it off, me, right? Yeah, pretty much. Take a salt tablet, <laughs> walk it off, you're fine. Yes. Um, I think for me personally, though, I had a lot of, um, sort of uh, at the time when I started and then even my first few years, I was trying to like even myself out. I know I had had some rage problems. I had kind of suicide level depression, um, you know, a lot of anxiety, like panic disorder sort of thing. So I was kind of I was all over the place, kind of mentally and internally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it really helped me be able to I just I, I survive for lack of a better description. Like I don't I don't know where I would be now if I would if I hadn't started internals. You know, I think even if I would have started externals, that that would have thrown things in kind of a different um, right. a different kind of way. But I mean, I was kind of so kind of a mess <laughs> and uh, really able to after a few years and, and, and still working, be able to kind of bring me back down to where I can kind of function um, and be able to to continue to learn and, and have relationships with people and, and be able to eventually start uh, liking myself and, and other things like that. So, and it, it helps me with my job too, because, you know, I get kids with, with all sorts of different things going on. I'm like, listen, I'm telling you what I'm telling you and I'm, I'm, I'm conversing with you the way I am. Not because I read some of this stuff out of a book, but I'm, I know it from my own personal experience that mm-hmm. the relaxation, the mindfulness and, and letting go of all this stuff is what's necessary to survive. I so agree. It, it was really able. I, I have friends now who I've met with in the last, you know, probably, I guess, eight years or so. Uh, and they were like, I, I'll tell them stories about stuff before. And I was like, I can't imagine you the way you're telling me you were. And that kind of, I got to admit that makes me feel really good because I know (laughs) kind of how much work it's taking me just to kind of get to the point that I am now. Mm -hmm. Um, Congratulations. Thank you kindly. You're going to make us cry now. Yeah. See, we got laughs. We've got, we've got information. We've got everything. It's just like watching a movie. Yeah, it's like it's like. Well, yeah, that's. I was actually thinking about Evangelion at the end when Shinji uh, finally (laughs) comes to the zone, and they're like, you know, you're the beast that shouted, "I at the heart of the world." So, anyway, (laughs) 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 you just got real deep there. Well, you brought up Evangelion, so I think just bringing up Evangelion makes it sort of hardcore deep and stuff like that. Anyway, but I mean, there's a lot in that of, yeah, that sort of inner. for you know it's gonna might sound a little weird or something that sort of inner journey you've got to come through some of that you know darkness or anything almost like we're talking like Jung or or even even just sort of like yin yang theory or anything like that you got to do some of the shadow work in order to balance stuff out and there are people i mean i do like taiji stuff and you kind of get lumped in when you do taiji with you know sort of like the the hippie air dancer kind of crowd and then you know some of the the sort of out there people who kind of miss the point of Taiji or yoga or Reiki or any of those other things. I mean, there's, there's yeah. a really hardcore tradition in a lot of these traditions and people kind of miss it and they kind of lump you in with, Oh, well just surround the light and it's all light. And this is like, you're missing, <laughs> missing, missing all this other stuff that you have to deal with or, mm-hmm going to deal with it when you're not ready for it mm-hmm. so yes yeah, it's, it's it's about you know looking at yourself in both dark and light and understanding mm-hmm. yourself and it's kind of scary sometimes you know what was that quote that, that i don't remember who said it but it's like if you stare into the eyes of the devil or the heart of the devil you'll find him staring back something yeah, like that Nietzsche about the monster yeah. in the abyss ah, yeah that's right i should have known that he's my favorite philosopher um Anyway, so do you have anything that you would like to add, John? We are nearing the top of our hour. 
just I want to say thank you to you both. You guys, uh, both you and uh, Yin and Johnny, have always been just really kind to me and, and really helpful to me. And I, I uh, love you guys and appreciate you guys a lot. So thank you very much for giving me this opportunity. No, well, thank you're you, great. John. You're great. I just, I mean, if it if you want to balance it out, this is kind of like my appreciation for the one time you and Mark didn't leave uh, Asian Town Center early when I was trying that new aerial trick and I was worried I might fall on my head. And I was like, Aww. it'd be better if there was somebody here in case I do fall. But I didn't fall, so that was all good. That was so, good. Yes. <laughs> I was like, hey, you guys are here. Can you stay like five more minutes in case I die? I, I so, <laughs> said something about like that. Oh, it makes sense when I'm upside down. I was like, oh, that, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. I was standing there and you guys were there. I was trying to figure it out standing upright before I go up um, because, you know, my arms aren't that strong and I can only hold on for so long. And I was worried I wasn't going to figure it out. And I, you know, I decided, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to try it anyway. And you guys were leaving. I'm like, oh, my God, can you guys stay just in case I like fall and hurt myself? Because that's the risk you have to take if you're going to, you know, do aerials. Um, but you're right. You don't right. exactly have a... a a wonderful cushion mat. It's got that thin little thing. <laughs> well, if it's too thick, then it like it slides around too much. So, <laughs> and then you know it slides out of place, and that's still dangerous. So, I it's it's like a happy medium. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it made sense once I got upside down. Yes, <laughs> very weird thing to say. So, <laughs> um, all right. So we have one more question for you, and this sure. question we ask all of our guests. So, Johnny, ghost host, would you like to do the honors? What is your favorite Asian dish? And will you cook it for us? Exactly. Yes. Oh, dear. I'm horrible at favorite or top kind of things because I, I'm kind of mercurial with that. Everything I'm like, I'm like, oh, this is really, oh, look, something shiny. And I get completely yes. distracted. Um. Or your oh, most man. recent favorite. That's acceptable, too. Uh, most, most recent favorite. Oh, man, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. um, see, I'm trying to think of something that's going to be more authentic than just sort of like, oh, yeah, it was like Crab Rangoon's really good. And everyone's <laughs> going to be like just rolling their eyes like, oh, okay. But they are Crab really good. I know, but it just it just seems kind of inauthentic. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know. I There was, I, I think, the thing that kind of just lit me up, I guess, the most, most recently is I had an amazing, and I forget which stand it was, and it's kicking, I'm kicking myself forgetting which stand it was, but at the, the Asian festival, I had the most, like, amazing pad thai I've ever had. Ooh. And I was like, and I, I started trying to, like, fi figure out ways to try and make it on my own, and I came up with a couple tolerable things that just wasn't the same, and it was like, that was probably my most recent. Huh sort of big thing with that but i mean i mean i'm a big you know i'll, I'll stuff with like chicken and I'm, I'm a huge proponent of rice i eat mm -hmm. rice pounds of rice a, a day and it's just chicken um, fried rice there we go yeah, i'm trying to f I, I have to i have to get a walk and i have to figure out how to i have manage, a walk i've been trying to give away a walk <laughs> i i i need Do you a walk want it? alex uh, dj lexicon's been uh supposedly picking it up for like a month and a half now um yeah you could definitely have it um it's uh yeah we could, we could talk later but all right ladies and gentlemen i just gave away a free walk Yay! Yay! the winner's john the winner. <laughs> all right ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for tuning into this week's asia town voice we're at the top of our hour and we hope you enjoyed our show we will catch you next week take care Bye bye, bye. thank you again